You are listening to the IBC Podcast, your international baseball career guide. Play ball! Now, here's your host, David Burns. This episode is brought to you by Sam Bat. Sam Bat has been the sponsor of the podcast since early 2015. They were the first ones on board. I swing Sam Bats myself, and I thoroughly enjoy them. They have a ton of pop and are very durable, and anyone who's picked one up for me here in Europe has said the same. So whether you're a club looking for a team order or an individual looking for a change and you want to learn more about Sam Bats or want to put a Sam Bat in your hand, you can visit baseballjobsoverseas.com forward slash Sam this episode is brought to you by 3N2, where you can customize your team from head to toe, everywhere from uniforms to bags to hoodies to cleats, you name it. Also, for any individual baseball or softball product needs, you can contact the International Baseball Community, where we cr- carry a variety of 3N2 products from turfs to trainers to cleats, pants, performance wear, umpire apparel, batting gloves and bags, you name it, we got it here. So give us a shout, or you can visit the website, baseballjobsoverseas.com forward slash 3N2. This episode is brought to you by Pocket Radar. In particular, the ball coach, which we're now offering in Europe and Australia through the international baseball community. What I enjoy about it is the small size of it. It's quite a bit smaller than your iPhone, which makes it easy to hide if you don't want anyone to know that you're using a radar gun. Uh, Also, uh, if you were to do a little research on it, it has a four and a half star rating on Amazon, and that's mostly due to its accuracy. Uh, You can compare it to some of the major radar guns out there, and it's just as accurate. You can check out their YouTube video as well, which demonstrates that. It's easy to use and super user-friendly. You just throw it in your pocket, bring it with you to practice or to the game or on road trips, wherever you will need it. So if you're a coach or a club in Australia or Europe and you want to pick one up or learn more about it, you can head to www.baseballjobsoverseas.com forward slash pocket radar. Hey guys, it's episode number 63 and today I have my good friend Will Thorpe on the podcast. Will and I met in the summer of 2015 as we played against each other in the Austrian Baseball League. Uh, he also spent some time on my couch during the Fingston Ball Tournament, and we got to know each other pretty good then as well, and uh, we've kept in touch ever since. Previously in 2014-15, he spent the winter playing baseball in the South Australian Baseball League and worked his way up to the Adelaide Bite. This past 2015-16 winter, Will once again returned to Australia, and this time with the Pine Hills Lightning, playing in the Queensland State League, which is based in Brisbane. If you are looking to take your baseball career to Australia, this is a great interview to listen to because Will is able to compare and contrast playing in Adelaide or playing in Brisbane, both those state leagues, and is also able to provide advice on how to work your way into the Australian Baseball League. So without further ado, let's get on with this interview with the former Lewis Clark catcher, Will Thorpe. Will, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me today. So can you quickly... Just tell us a little bit about your background and how um, it led to a, a career overseas. Like, what, when did that first opportunity come about, and how did it come about? Uh, so, I played five years at college baseball, starting over at Douglas College in Canada. I went over to play at Loose State College over in NAI uh, school in Idaho. Uh, after that, I uh, took a few months off, uh, focused on what I was you know, planning on doing in life. I worked in an oil rig for a little while and uh, 
at that point, I realized, you know, I really missed baseball. I wanted to get back into it, and I had a friend that played over in Australia, and he uh, referred me to a club in Australia. And that's ultimately how I started with my baseball overseas adventure. Yep. And uh, I, I enjoyed it so much last year. I, you know, I saw it so much. It was, you know, experiencing a lifetime being overseas. Uh, and it opened up doors to playing professionally for the bite, uh, playing over in Europe, and uh, bringing me back over to Australia. So that's the, the road that I took. Well, I can definitely see how the oil rigs drove you to go back to baseball. <laughs> Good money, but not a lot of fun. I, I know a lot of guys that have have, have done that, and uh, yeah, those that can tough it out can definitely bank, but I think I'd rather be traveling the world playing baseball and being broke. <laughs> yeah, you realize it's not always about the money when uh, when you're enjoying your, your time meeting new people, playing baseball, and... Uh, Traveling the world, definitely. Okay, so at the moment you're in Brisbane, Australia, and you're playing with the Pine Hills Lightning in the Queensland State League, and you're about two months into the season. Uh, we'll get into what where you played in, in uh, Europe later on, but uh, why don't we start off with, uh, now that you've been there a couple months, you can probably compare and contrast the baseball in uh, Queensland and the baseball in South Australia. So let's start with the importing going on in the two states. Can you give us some insight into that? So different from the SABL over in Adelaide, I find the league, the teams that are bringing over the imports are primarily bringing them over and those imports are looking to play for the Bandits and giving them an opportunity with that road uh, to play for the Bandits where the SABL was more about the experience with possibly, you know, with the possibility of joining the bite halfway through the year, joining the bite at some point. Mm-hmm. So, so the, the the imports coming into, or most clubs across the the state league in Queensland, there are looking to import guys, top caliber guys, um, selling the fact that okay, they they will get an opportunity to show their stuff to the bite, or sorry, to the bandits. Uh, knowing very well that they may get called up to the bandits, whereas in Adelaide it's more about let's import guys that will be with the club all year, um, and we'll, we'll potentially give them an opportunity to play with the bite. But for the most part, that's not what they're doing. They're looking for guys that will be with the state league club all year. Yeah, absolutely. Now, uh, over with the bandits. And the Brisbane State League, there's only seven A-grade teams, where over in Adelaide, there's seven teams, or 12 teams over there. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot. Yeah, so that makes a big difference. So then that also means, that probably explains a lot why um, sometimes the financial side of things, guys are paying their way over to the clubs in the Brisbane League, uh, or in Queensland, I should say. Uh, they're expected to finance more of of their you know their trip, especially especially if they're a second year player. Then they have to finance everything because they can't work. Whereas in Adelaide, I think there's a little more money on the table for these guys. Um, but from what I've heard, anyway. Yeah, absolutely. I think Adelaide uh, overall in the club league is making a little bit more money from what I've seen. Um, 
through the clubs, even club ball, there's more people showing up, more people putting money into the canteen type thing mm-hmm. uh, than over in So they're more willing to invest in a player that they know that will be with the club for the entire season as opposed to the clubs in Brisbane that know they'll, they may be there a week and then they'll be up with the bite or sorry, the, the bandits mixing them up again here. Um, so yeah. Okay. That's pretty clear then. That's, that's interesting. That's good piece of information. So if a guy is really, and that's kind of what I've seen anyway, just in the little bit, you know, we've been in, since we've been importing guys or sending guys to Australia, uh, I've noticed that, it seems like the bandits are a little more active with regards to bringing guys up through the state league, uh, as far as foreigners are concerned. Yeah, absolutely. And Dave Nilsson, his son plays at our club. He's at most of our games. He's at most of our practices watching his son. Uh, therefore he gets a, a good look at the guys around the league as well. Yeah. And, uh, the, that are coming over are very high caliber players, guys that played over in the Frontier League, guys that played a few years in the affiliated baseball. Uh, whereas over in Adelaide, it seemed like there's a lot of guys that just played their four years of college, like myself, prior to going over there. Yeah. And then getting the opportunity to bite when something happened with someone else. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I've seen too. And I've also seen there's just a lot more importing going on there. I guess that's just because there's more clubs as well um can you tell me a little bit about the importing going on in queensland this year well a little bit different than adelaide there's different import rules for different states in australia over in Brisbane, you're allowed to have three imports per team playing at one time where adelaide it was just two imports Mm -hmm. per team now over in brisbane your imports can start every game where in Adelaide, I believe they were only allowed to start 40 to 45% of the games over the course of the season. And then come playoffs, uh, it was even stricter than that. Wow. So doesn't we're not just talking about pitchers, just imports in general can only start 40 to 45% of the games. No, I'm strictly talking about pitchers there. Okay. Okay, so... Over Imports playing the game, but only two could be on the starting lineup as well. Over in Bruce, and you could have three playing in the game, and you could have both pitchers come in to pitch in the same game, or you could have them start separate games. Whereas back in Adelaide, if you have one import start and then you pitch the other import, it costs you as two import games out of the 15 import games, or whatever number that is over the course of the season. I see. So in, in in Brisbane, could they could they could imports pitch every single inning of every single game? Hundred percent, if they felt that was necessary at the A grade level. Wow, interesting. Well, I guess that's up to the club if they want to, you know, develop their their own guys or or they want to bring in some others. So, uh, I, yeah, that's that's tough. That's that's very unusual. Wherever most leagues that we're dealing with, it's. You know, like when you and I, when you played in, in Austria last year, first game is, is you have to be an Austrian pitcher and second game can be an import for the whole game. And that's typically the way it is from what I find across the board in Europe and from what I've heard in Australia. So I, I didn't know that. No, I think, again, it comes into play with the amount of teams they have and the amount of selection of players that they draw from. Yeah. Uh, along with... They have a certain criteria 
of teams that they have to meet in order to be able to field an A-grade team. Yeah, I believe a few teams lost their A-grade teams over here in Brisbane just because they didn't have enough, you know, under 16s, under 18s, under 20s, uh, and a B-grade team as well. If they don't fit that criteria, a certain amount of teams, then they have to drop. And uh, when that happens, you know, a lot of players typically are leaving the Queensland League, going over to say Adelaide or going over to Sydney. Mm-hmm. And when that happens, it just drops the you know level of competition. Therefore, you know, forcing teams, forcing the hand of the teams to bring in these import pitchers to keep the level up there. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. So, do you think most teams in Brisbane are taking full advantage of the import rules, or, or uh, because I, when I look across Australia and and guys that through the website that have signed across Australia, Brisbane's one of the leagues that have had the least, or you know, not as many anyway. Uh, but maybe there's maybe there's a bunch of guys there this year that I'm unaware of outside of the international baseball community website. Yeah, I believe uh, I believe each team has three imports, and uh, from what I've seen over here, all the imports are you know, top caliber players coming over as well. Yep. And do you do you find that the clubs have then their own recruitment system, like connections to affiliated ball or frontier league or whatever, uh, or how are they finding these these guys? You know, I think it's just passed on by word of mouth. Yeah. Uh, from the guys that aren't going through baseball overseas, uh, I know my roommate and import teammate Ernie. He uh, played over in the frontier league with another Australian. Mm-hmm. And uh, that Australian, I believe, plays or played in the ABL as well. So he recommended him to come over to the club team and get an opportunity to play in the ABL as well. Yeah. Uh, so there's an example of that right there. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I definitely, um, I don't know, I've just, I, I've, I've found that there was less, like most of the guys on the website are looking for return flights. Um, there's not a lot of guys that will pay their, their way over. So that's typically what I've come across in Brisbane is that clubs don't have really the it seems like they they have the ability to uh, uh as far as rules are concerned to import three players but they didn't have the, the the financial backing in order to in order to do so. So I guess what's happening is they're just finding somehow they're finding high caliber players that are willing to pay their way over um or, or um because of knowing that they're moving up with to the bandits, I could see that why clubs aren't investing, which we've already talked about, uh, aren't willing to invest a lot of money in a player. Um, so that's kind of the deal. It's pretty clear now. The deal is we'll help you get on with the bandits, but you need to finance your way over for most guys, not necessarily every guy. Yeah, it's pretty accurate. Again, for every team... It's different and different with their needs. Uh, every team contracts up the players differently. Yeah. So, you know, one team could say, hey, we'll pay for both your flights, everything included, uh, with your trip here, but you're not allowed to play with the ABL team if you get an opportunity to. Yeah. Whereas, if we'll take care of our own flights, if you could put me up in the, you know, put me up somewhere with a billet. Uh, I will play for your club team if I don't get an opportunity to play with ABL, and I'll be happy. I'll be happy to you know, give, my, give you my full on. Um, 
and then sometimes you meet in the middle. It really depends how bad the club needs you and, uh, you know, what you contract out and talk about, discuss before you come over. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it just varies from person to person, club to club, and uh, that's just been my general overall general opinion between the two leagues is is that if you want to go play in Brisbane, you need to maybe pay your flight for the most part, not every case, whereas in, in Adelaide, most of those guys are getting their, their flights paid. Um, so it's a, it's a, yeah, it's just I guess you need to see what works for you as, as a player if you want a, uh, that shot to play up in the ABL or if you're, if you're um, just looking for the, the adventure and, and uh, the opportunity to play overseas and, uh, and play some good ball. Because obviously the baseball is good as well. So maybe you can, we can dive into that a little bit now. Maybe we can talk about comparing Adelaide and Brisbane, <laughs> which is always kind of like a, a hot topic. You know, Scotty Malhern, he's from Brisbane, and he you know says Brisbane has the best baseball in Austria as far as state leagues are concerned or as far as states are concerned. Um, now you've spent some time in Adelaide and some time now in Brisbane. Uh, is Are you able to kind of nail that down? Yeah, hot topic a little bit there, right? Uh, <laughs> yeah, you don't want to step on any toes here. Put you on the spot. But, no, exactly. No, uh, I'm comfortable with that. Um, I'd say Adelaide, for the most part, they had 12 teams. And in those 12 teams, there's, you know, six teams. The top six are very strong. Uh, the next three are, you know, right under that top six level. And uh, the three after are definitely teams they're developing and that aren't there yet. Mm-hmm. And with the import rules over in Adelaide, if you don't have a solid Australian starters or multiple pitchers, uh, you run into teams where you get, you know, meaty pitching where you can kind of tear into. Therefore, you know, your stats might be slightly jaded for the fact that you might take advantage of a weaker Australian pitcher. Mm-hmm. And then maybe possibly not even face, if you're on a weaker team, uh, the top imports, because those teams might save the top imports four games against higher-caliber club state teams. Yeah. Where over in Brisbane, they just have six teams here, and most of the Bandits play on all those teams. And uh, when you're playing against them, you rarely get a day off, whereas you you run into just decent pitching. Even the Australian pitchers over here are all high-quality pitchers. Uh, now when the Bennets are away, uh, the Australian players don't play at all for their club teams, which differs from over in Australia or in Adelaide where those players would still play for the club if they didn't have games that day I throughout see. the week. Mm-hmm. So you, you'll just see a lot more of the ABL players playing in the state league in Brisbane as opposed to Adelaide. Yeah, I'd say, you know, overall, I think the competition um, is stronger all around in Brisbane. Yeah. Um, you never get a day off when you're playing. You know, there might be one or two teams and you get a little bit of a day off, against, uh, but you're constantly playing against each other. Uh, pretty often we're over in Adelaide if you ran into a few of the teams you could have you know a slightly easier schedule um, let's go back to when you played with Adelaide yeah. uh, you you got that opportunity to play with the bite um, 
Uh, and so that sounds like it's not an easy thing to do when playing in the state league as an import in Adelaide. Um, it, it doesn't happen so often where you get that opportunity to play for the bite as it would in Brisbane with the Bandits. So how did your opportunity come about? Uh, to be honest, when I was over there, I didn't have any expectations at all playing at the bite. Didn't go to any games prior to that. Didn't even watch them play. Uh, I was just going over to enjoy Australia, live it up to the fullest, uh, work hard for the club. And uh, it wasn't until... You know, at the midway point of the bite season where their starting catcher went home mm-hmm. and their backup catcher broke his finger. Uh, at that point in the year, uh, there's a few people that recommended me apparently over to the bite because they were looking to bring up a catcher from the state league. And uh, I got an opportunity, and from there on out, um, yeah, that's how I had my opportunity to play with the bite. So... You uh, so how how many games did you get to play? Um, by the end of it, I think I played in around yeah, probably ten games. Yeah, and so how big a jump With, uh, was that from the state league in Adelaide? Was it a significant jump? Because I've heard I've heard conflicting stories, but I've heard that the state league in Adelaide is pretty good level of baseball, and there's some some guys within the league that have played affiliated ball and. Um, and uh, sometimes within the very top teams in Adelaide, they'll even retain some of that talent as opposed to going up to the ABL, Australian talent, that is. Um, so in your opinion, did, did you find like there was a big jump as far as level of play when, when you went up from the state league in Adelaide to the ABL? Yeah, definitely. I mean, every team over on the ABL teams has, you know, how many affiliated players uh, that are current affiliated players with, you know, the best of the best with Australian players on those teams. Um, now, I get what you're saying as well with the club level. Uh, the ABL players, there's a ton of incredible uh, talent in Australia, but the ABL doesn't pay, you know, big contract, uh, big money. So when it's asking you in ABL to play Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, you know, it's a lot for those guys that are, you know, starting families that are just a finishing affiliate ball to take half their week off and make minimal money to play in the ABL. Yeah, I see. So, in that case, just stick with the state league. Um, now, the competition-wise, again, clubs are trying to develop their own players over there. Um, and you don't practice like you practice in the ABL. And a lot of those guys, you know, you could run into guys that are still 40 years old and playing. Uh, you got odd guys some are still, you know, 20s and 30s. Mm-hmm. Uh, so at the end of the day, I, I break the ABL as single A to, you know, high A. Mm-hmm. Uh, equivalent to, uh, you know, how the level of play is over there. Yeah. Um, with, you know, pitchers and players that have, you know, made it up to the big leagues, triple uh, A, um, but probably, you know, equivalent maybe just under double A there. Yeah. Um, the state is, you know, I'd probably rate it to the equivalent of, you know, low D1 with standout players or, uh, you know, top D2 standard of baseball. Okay. With with quite a spectrum between the top and bottom, I guess. So when you're talking about the, the top clubs like um, Kensington and, and I think when you're talking about Kensington, what's the other one? Um, um 
Woodville, Goodwood. Woodville, yeah. Um, would those two are, are the top two in, uh, in Adelaide in the state league. Now, would you say they're like a, a, a low D1 level, or or is it just uh, kind of like uh, an overall general rating you, you put on? No, they're more the, the top four or five yeah. are low D1. Okay. Uh, now, when they have all the players back, if you go over to, say, Brisbane, you know, I'd say they're very, you know, you know, mid-range to, you know, good Division One school when they got everything going on uh, for them at that point in time. I mean, there's teams that have had seven or eight guys that play affiliate ball for a multiple period of time. Yep. Very cool. Good feedback. Thank you. Um, okay, a little off topic. You've lived now in Adelaide and you've lived in Brisbane. What's the lifestyle like? Can you can you kind of tell us a little bit about living in Adelaide and how you enjoyed your time there and now in Brisbane? And then maybe you know, paint a picture for us uh, as to quality of life and and where maybe the the better of the two places would be, or what they both have to offer. Maybe not compare them so you don't have to put you on the spot again, but what they have to offer. Yeah, I don't think I could compare them, but for what they'd have to offer, uh, you know, it's what you make of it. Uh, Adelaide doesn't have the Sunshine Coast, the Gold Coast, Byron Bay. It's kind of separated from everything else. Uh, It's not a popular destination spot for tourists. There's no waves over there. There's no surfing over really in Adelaide. Uh, Now, Adelaide has some incredible people. They had an incredible club over there. I had a wonderful experience with the bike. Um, Therefore, I hold it very close to my heart and it's a place I'll definitely go back to in the future um, the climate it's very dry over there I think it only rained four or five times over the four and a half or five and a half months that I was there mm-hmm. uh, and it was a very dry heat over there now when I went over to Brisbane I think it's rained you know almost as much as it rains in Vancouver Seattle but it's a very humid uh, climate over here tropical environment yeah uh, so we've been getting a lot of thunder, lightning storms, and uh, over in Brisbane, we're a little bit further away from the beaches. We're not on the, you know, where I'm located, I'm in Pine Hills. I'm not really over in the Sunshine Coast or the Gold Coast. Therefore, I feel a little bit more, you know, a little bit more separated from the rest of the teams. We're over in Adelaide. We can mingle with the other teams. We're a little bit closer together. We were closer to the uh, beaches. Yeah. Uh, over here in Brisbane, I'm really looking forward to, you know, driving over to Byron Bay for a few weekends, which is an hour and a half away. Very popular destination spot. Yeah. Uh, I'm looking forward to going over to Sydney for New Year's, which is, you know, a 20-hour drive from here. Going up to Cairns, which is, again, you know, probably a 20, 25-hour drive up the other way. Or taking cheap flights like I did over in Europe. And, uh, you know, that's the benefit of being over here in Brisbane compared to Adelaide, where you were really stuck I'm making the most of, you know, Heinz Street, which is a big street over in Adelaide, but there's not a lot else to do besides go to wineries and go to uh, waveless beaches over there. Yeah. Okay. So that, that's very good. You painted the picture quite well. So, um, yeah, so what clubs in Brisbane would you say are more centrally located and closer to the beaches? You know, most of the clubs are... Uh, for the most part, near a beach. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember all the club's names uh, right now, but, you know, West, West, West Torrens, 
I believe, uh, Southern Districts. Uh, Sorry, I said Adelaide. I'm, right my, my bad. I meant uh, Brisbane. Because I know you, oh, you basically dope. said the Adelaide teams are all fairly close to each other, so therefore it's easy to kind of go hang out with some of the other imports from the other clubs, whereas in where you are in Pine Hills, you're kind of secluded there. Uh, so I meant in Brisbane, my bad, um, which br- uh, clubs in, the, in Brisbane are a little closer to the beaches and a little more centrally located? Uh, I'd say the Service Paradise Club is real close to the beach. Yep. Yeah. Uh, put two and two together there. Yeah. Uh, beyond that, to be honest, I uh, the other four clubs that we played at so far are a little further away from all the beaches. Yeah. So you're still looking at about a drive uh, to get to the beach. Where in Adelaide, even where we were, and we were probably one of the clubs that were the furthest away from the beach. We were only a 25 minute drive away from the beach. Okay. Cool. Well, what about public transport? Like, is it pretty easy just to hop on a? on a bus or something and you're in, in Brisbane city center or at a beach or. Uh, to be honest, the clubs, uh, who just look after us with rides. Yeah. And so we haven't done any transport. It's not like Europe where, you know, everything is beautifully centralized with great transit. Uh, there are some buses over here. Uh, there's a train. Now last year, our club set us up with three cars. And so we were driving cars all around, and that was our transportation. Uh, over here, uh, most of the clubs do set you up with cars as well. Uh, mm-hmm. They work on that for us right now. Yeah. Uh, but just relying on teammates for those rides at the moment. Okay. Okay, so, um, this, yeah, definitely Europe's convenient that way. How did you enjoy your time in, in Austria? And, and did you take advantage of... Uh, we'll just start with that. How did you enjoy your time in Austria, um, living in the center of Europe? Uh, and then we'll get into more specifically Dornburn and and the parking lot you played on. <laughs> and by the way, that, that parking lot, did you see it was on uh, <laughs> Domingo, uh website there? Yeah, we put Baseball Austria on the map? No. Because exactly. So- <laughs> no, it was the right. <laughs> it's there. I couldn't believe that. I, I didn't, like... Okay, we'll just get straight into it. That it is a parking lot. Like I thought, people just called it the parking lot because, you know, because it's like a. I don't even know how to explain it. Really, it's just basically a gravel infield slash half outfield is all kind of this hard compact gravel. Uh, so we just called it the parking lot. But apparently, it is a parking lot. Yeah, it doubles as uh, all surface field for the soccer club out there in the winter yeah they take out the pitch man they take out the uh backstop yeah now throughout the year it's used on big uh soccer games i think there's a you know c-grade soccer team over there that draws a ton of fans because soccer is so big over in austria and europe and uh so when we have away games they schedule their home games and they use our field as a parking lot <laughs> so that's recent. Like some of the fans got carried away after uh, a night of the soccer game and left their cars there the following day. When we got back from Vienna, uh, there was a few of the cars that were stuck on the middle of our baseball field. <laughs> yeah, I saw that picture of. Uh, it looks like maybe one of the, you know, your your, I don't know what you would call it, but one of the lower level teams within your club. Um, 
had a game the next day on a Sunday, and there was a car parked in center field. So they they just basically took the um, the old uh, BP cage and brought it out there and covered the car so that they can play the game. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, I think it was a forfeit for the club, but it was a pretty funny picture. And next thing you know, it's uh, you know, it was making news headlines around Dornburn, and and now we're on the Domingo, uh, Domingo, what's his name? Domingo Alaya Facebook. Yeah, he shared it as well, and that is is pretty funny. <laughs> it's a great picture. Yeah, no, a great picture, but it, you know, it kind of sheds light on you know baseball in Europe, and uh, yeah. And a lack of resources in some of the areas. Yeah, I thought of compiling like things like that because I've seen some pretty funny videos <laughs> of some of the real, like the the bottom level baseball in Europe. And I've seen you know some video and stuff like that, and some different photos. And you know, some really weird things can happen, or there's some really interesting fields in in Austria alone. Um, I thought of putting something together just for for fun, but I don't want to insult anybody or piss anybody off. But I think it's that would be probably one of the 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 photos or videos that make the make the cut. That's for sure. Um, but other than that, you're living in Dornburn, which is a beautiful area. It's on the the uh, west side of Austria, right on the border of Germany, Liechtenstein, and Switzerland. So, I mean, it's a nice location. So, can you tell us a little bit about your experience living there? Uh, Dorber and I had a fantastic time. Uh, Dorber Indians really took care of their imports. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we were very straightforward from the very, very start with talking about, you know, what to expect going over there and uh, with everything included. So, uh, going over there, there was really no surprises. And, um, and that really helped because yeah, I was ready for walking into a town which primarily spoke German. Yeah. And uh, the language, which was massive for me coming from Australia, which is a shock alone having you know Australians at least speak a form of English. Yeah. Uh, so going over to a small kind of country, non-tourist spot in Dornburn where you know most of the people spoke German and they spoke a different dialect of German so you couldn't even really understand it if you were German half the time yeah so would you would you say that a lot of people did not speak English in Dornburn or in the area or were they at least able to communicate uh, for the most part I, I mean I think they were able to communicate for the most part uh, you walk into some of the you know places up in the hills yeah. the people that don't get into town too often and you know those older towns up there they don't they might not be able to speak English too well yeah um, but for the younger population you know pretty much everyone can speak English now um, it really depends if they want to or not I think that's a different story walking yeah. into a few of the pubs you won't just have people like in Australia turn around and strike up an English conversation with you yeah yeah no that's for sure <laughs> um, but within the club across Austria we should make it clear that everyone speaks English quite well um, just for the simple fact that they've been importing for years so growing up playing baseball for an, uh, an ABL club anyway um, you're subjected to to English from a young age 
Absolutely, yeah. No, the club was awesome with that. I mean, once in a while they throw out a few German things when they're getting into a discussion with each other. Uh, but beyond that, everyone was real accommodating in that sense. Yeah. Did you take advantage of your central location and travel a lot? Yeah. Uh, when they hosted the what was the Kingston Ball? The ABL. No, no, they had uh, the series where everyone plays up against each other: Austria, Switzerland. Oh, the the uh, European Germany. Cup. The European Cup. Yeah. Yeah, the European Cup. So when we had a three and a half week break, um, I took full advantage of that time off. The club was okay with uh, us going out and traveling. Um, in that period of time, I, I think I hit up thirteen countries oh. in twenty one days. Um, you know, going through a Ryanair and using ferries, et cetera, et cetera. Um, it was extremely cheap, affordable, and uh, you know, I got my own little travel vacation within playing over in Europe and playing for a baseball team over there. Uh, and then separate with the team, we had trips over to the Czech Republic. We were going to Vienna, it felt like every other week. And um, then the Finkston Cup, which you know all about, getting to go over and, uh, you know, stay over, stay over in, we're, not Salzburg, where, where were we located? We were in Atmengpuchheim. <laughs> So yeah, uh, for the Pinkston Cup, that was uh, another massive highlight out of the entire trip. Uh, you know, an incredible time getting together and you know just you know seeing a bunch of buds meeting up. That I saw a bunch from Australia meeting up with fellow Canadians over there and playing on the same team, playing against each other. It was a real highlight of the entire trip. Absolutely. Yeah, that was fun. That was pretty cool. Uh, where uh, we had yourself, had, who had just finished playing in Adelaide. Um, you might have to spark my memory here, but then Clayton walked in, or maybe it was the other way around. Clayton was already here, and then you walked in, and uh, you were like, oh, you're here too? <laughs> and you both had just finished playing against each other in Adelaide a few months prior, and you weren't, you were kind of surprised to see each other in my living room <laughs> for Fingston Ball. Yeah, no, and you had this big raggedy beard on it, I didn't even recognize as we came up and gave a headlock from behind. No, it was uh, it was outstanding to see him there. Yeah, and uh, a former college teammate was over there as well, and Mike Caleb. And next thing you know, we got three Canadians there, and uh, Scotty Mullen shows up. Another uh, member of the bite, Connor Gorman, showed up. It, it just felt like it was a massive reunion over uh, in Europe. Yeah, uh, from Canada over in Australia, seeing how small the baseball world is. Um, yeah, that was pretty cool. It was a good tournament. You got to see a lot of people. So it looks like you took full advantage of it, um, of your time here anyway. Are you coming back? You looking to come back to Europe next year? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, kind of just going through that process right now with baseball jobs overseas mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, seeing where that goes. Yeah. Well, I, you know, coming from playing in the ABL and then to a different ABL, the Austrian Baseball League, uh, it was quite a step down, so I'm assuming next year you're looking maybe to to kind of play at a higher level, potentially with a club that plays in the Euro League baseball is kind of the hot commodity right now. Yeah, absolutely. That's the, the ultimate goal. There, it's uh, it was either to go back to the states and uh, try out for an independent club over there, or get an opportunity to play in the Euro League, just for the fact of being able to play every day at a higher standard of competition. Yeah. Okay, well, here's your... Uh, rather than... Sorry, go ahead. 
Oh, I was just rather than playing once a week and then having the next six days to kind of prepare for the next game. Yeah, I, I'm used to that now, but I, I, I can understand that. Um, okay, well now's your this it's this is your thirty second pitch to any ELB clubs that are listening to this podcast right now. This is your pitch. Sell yourself. Yeah, I'm a veteran catcher. I'm 26 years old. Uh, you know, you get asked Dave how my catching ability is, and you get a good, uh, hopefully, a good reference out of him. Yeah. And uh, you know, beyond that, uh, I'm sure you can take a look at my stats, and uh, they speak for myself. But you know, I enjoyed Europe. I, I enjoyed being part of that culture, and uh, I'd love to help any club out there take a chance on me. Spoken like a true Canadian. You didn't want to toot your own horn too much there. <laughs> but definitely, I, you, you deserve to play at that level uh, and, and are far more than capable of doing so. So, And the ELB clubs that are listening uh, and, and that need a catcher and just an overall good guy and a good teammate, you know, uh, Will's definitely on the top of my list here. So, you know, thanks for the time, buddy, and enjoy the rest of your time in Brisbane, and I'm sure we'll we'll catch up. And if things work out, but I'm not too optimistic, maybe I'll get on a plane at Christmas and do a little traveling with some of you guys. Hey, that's what I'm talking about. Dave, I appreciate it. Thank you so much for your time as well and everything uh, you've done with, for all of us imports. Yeah, no, I, I love doing it, man. I'm, I'm looking forward to, you know, doing it for many years to come, hopefully, and have a bunch of you guys on my couch again next year for Fingston Ball. Hey, that's what I'm talking about right there. <laughs> right on, buddy. All right, I better run, so we'll uh, we'll catch up soon. Hey, that sounds good. That sounds awesome, Dave. Thanks Take again. Take care, man. Hey, you too. That wraps up episode number 63. Once again, thanks for listening, and thanks, Will Thorpe, for providing the time and that great information. I know that's going to help out a lot of guys. And uh, since the recording of this podcast episode, which was midway through his 2015-16 season in Pine Hills, uh, he went on to get called up to the Brisbane Bandits. He didn't really receive much playing time, but he was along for the ride with the Bandits en route to their championship. Uh, So I'm going to definitely get Will on the podcast episode again, or on a future podcast episode, I should say, to tell us about that experience. And also, since he's returned to Europe and he's playing currently in the German Bundesliga and the EuroLeague Baseball with the Munich Haar Disciples. So the EuroLeague Baseball is an upstart professional league in continental Europe. So we'll talk to Will about that experience as well in a future podcast episode. So on a closing note, anyone out there listening to this podcast episode who is looking to take their career overseas can do so by visiting www.internationalbaseballcommunity.com and registering. We'll catch you on episode number 64, and until then, keep pursuing your baseball dreams. Take care, everybody.